Hello, this is Dust Lantern, and welcome to the beginning of our discussions on the Sunza. We're here in Chapter 1, an exhortation to learning, and it's a fairly short chapter, and the message is in the title. Sunza is exhorting you to learn and to work on yourself. So, this is very important, not only because it's a sensible beginning that you might find in some sort of workbook or uh, textbook, you know, that you should learn, you should study, it's worthwhile, but it has a special meaning within Shunzi's philosophical framework. Because according to Shunzi, human nature is bad, and by that he means that you are born not good. In other words, this is not like so many doting parents out there in the world who's, who look at their child and see so much goodness in them and says, all he needs to do is grow up. He'll be such a good person. Shunza is against this paradigm of what human growth is. In other words, he does not believe it happens naturally and spontaneously. It is not like planting a seed and then all you have to do is see it grow and do very little in cultivating it. So that's not what he, uh, he believes. So here um, we have some of these metaphors at the very, very beginning of this chapter that helps us understand um, why it's important to learn and how our learning should go. The gentleman, which is really the Junzu, a virtuous person, says learning must never stop. And he has a few analogies here. Blue dye derives from the indigo plant, and yet is bluer than the plant. Ice comes from water, and yet is colder than water. Through steaming and bending, you can make wood as straight as an inkline into that of a wheel. And he has more of these analogies um, that he continues explaining. But essentially, what we're supposed to understand is metaphors for one's human nature. You're originally born with certain abilities to feel, to think, certain things that you naturally desire, and so forth. But if you want to have a happy life, if you want to be a good person, you need to work on yourself to extract what is best about you, like you can extract blue dye from the indigo plant, uh, and yet somehow this is bluer. You need to change how you are, similar to how water is, if it's at room temperature, if it's below, uh, excuse me, if it's above freezing temperature, it has a very different set of properties than ice, which is water below freezing temperature, completely different physical properties, even though the es essence is the same. So similar, similarly, your human nature is not completely done away or transformed uh, at essence, but the form that it takes is different. And so our third analogy here is that you have this wood, perhaps it's originally straight, but you can turn it into that of a wheel, something that is round, something that is circular from something that was, used to be straight. It is still wood, it is still hard, it is still reliable, and you could use that to uh, put your uh, wagon on top of. 
on top of these wheels. But at the same time, the form is very different and the functionality is very different. So what you should understand your own nature to be similar to this. You're a human being. There are some aspects, essential aspects of yourself that you cannot change. And yet, if you work on yourself, you can become a great human being and you could find a way how to have meaningful and lasting happiness throughout your life. The next paragraph has some other analogies here telling us why a person might scoff originally at the idea of, of learning, but later on he realizes that it was a great and wonderful thing that he did in, um, in learning. So he says, if you never climb a how mountain, you will not know the height of heaven. If you never visit a deep ravine, you will not know the depth of the earth. And then here comes his, his more straightforward point. If you never hear the words passed down from the former kings, the former kings are the, uh, uh, the sage kings who have developed the Tao, the way, you will not know the magnificence of learning. In other words, you, from your standpoint of, of ignorance, do not know how much you can achieve and how great and wonderful and beautiful your ultimate destination is. So, you, even though you don't really understand this, you must learn, you must hear and heed this advice to learn. It is similar to what one might tell a child you have to listen to your father, you have to listen to your teacher, because you simply do not know what you are missing yet. We have further analogies. Uh, we have later on around line 43, this analogy of uh, a couple of analogies regarding nests and plants. And the key phrase here is in line 40, Three. Uh, this happens not because the nest itself is flawed, but rather because of what it is attached to. In other words, you have to learn the correct things. You have to attach yourself to the correct philosophy, the correct Tao, if you want to have good results. So if you go and study other philosophies that are not the Tao, maybe there is some degree of truth. Maybe there's uh, fifty percent of what you learned there is truth. Maybe it's more like thirty percent or ten percent, but ultimately, it is not fully true on a fundamental level. And so, if you study, say, Marxism, or if you only study feminism, or if you only study um, free market economics, etc., etc., you it's like a it's like building a nest on a branch that is weak or to use a more biblical uh, analogy, it's like building a house on sand, on unstable ground. You are not going to have great success long term. We have this statement in line 27. I once spent the whole day pondering, but it was not as good as a moment's worth of learning. And that's similar uh, to Analytics 15.31, and that's uh, something that is pointed out in your 
translation if you're using the Eric Hutton translation. Um, I once stood on my toes to look far away, but it was not good as, as good as a broad view from a high place. This point here is that you're not supposed to, to use a colloquial phrase, reinvent the wheel. The point is not to sit around and think all on your own, to realize truth on your own. If that is something people do that limits them, it is much better to find the correct tradition, study that, and then use that as a kind of ladder. Uh, one is also reminded by that phrase accredited to Isaac Newton, I saw so far because I was able to stand on the shoulder of giants. In other words, he's giving credit to the people who came before him who figured out all of this truth. Okay, um, along around line 55, we have Shunzi saying that the gentleman, the Junzi, is sure to select carefully the village wherein he dwells, and he is sure to associate with well-bred men when he travels. This is how he avoids corruption, draws near to what is correct. In Confucian's thought, in Ru philosophy, it is extremely important to be around good people. And Confucius even says, you cannot be considered wise if you, uh, and I hear a paraphrase, you cannot be considered wise if you are somebody who does not live in a village uh, or a neighborhood where there are virtuous people when you have the chance to do so. In other words, even though your house might be pretty expensive, if your neighborhood is no good, what's the point? And so those who, of you whom are, uh, who are living in, say, New York or in California, various parts of California, uh, etc., you have very expensive houses. However, you want to ask yourself the question, is the place that you are living, is this a good place? Is this full of good people? Are they at least decent? So we have this line in 74, each thing follows its own class. And so the Junza is careful about where he takes a stand. And that's in line 79. Uh, we have this interesting line in line 82. If you accumulate enough goodness to achieve virtue, then you will naturally attain to spirit-like powers and enlightenment. And the heart of the sage is complete therein. The sage is the uh, ideal human being. This is a human being has, who has completely transformed himself and is the greatest that a human being can be in terms of virtue, in terms of wisdom, in terms of his ability to transform the world around him. And this is not something that is supernatural. We're not talking about supernatural abilities. What we are talking about is the equivalent of calling somebody a genius in the academic world. So that's a sage for the world of human beings who are virtuous and wise. And so if you can accumulate enough goodness to achieve virtue, then you will naturally attain to spirit-like powers and enlightenment. And the, the spirit-like powers are not, again, supernatural. What we're talking about is your ability to influence those around you without 
using coercive actions. For example, if a king passes a series of laws, that is not what Shunzu means by spirit-like powers. However, if he, through his words, through his personal example, through his following uh, what's called Li, ritual propriety, by doing these things, he can have this indirect and subtle influence over other people for the better. That is what is meant by spirit-like powers. He's not saying spiritual powers. He's saying spirit-like powers. So if you are interested in that subject, this is something that Shunzu will help you understand throughout the rest of these chapters. I'm going to jump uh, to some other um, aspects here. We're jumping around here because there's not enough time to go through every single line one by one um, within and, and uh, you know keep this to a, uh, the series to a reasonable amount of time. Line 99 talks about acting with single-mindedness. Single-mindedness means to be pure in your intentions, to have this devotion. Um, single-mindedness you can find, for example, people who attempt to become uh, world champion in their in their uh, sports, say boxing, in their weight class. These people you find act with single-mindedness because they're constantly training, they're constantly working on becoming a better boxer and so you find single-mindedness so he's saying Susan is saying you should have single-mindedness when you're cultivating yourself your heart should always be intent in becoming a better person and that's the correct attitude most people out there they tell themselves that they are fine they become very complacent with who they are and where they are in terms of their virtue and these people ultimately regress and these people ultimately are not good people that you want to spend time with and they uh, come off as immature as they grow older. We have this line 120, the, general, the Junza is bound to one thing, that one thing is the Tao, the way, and the way encompasses Ren, Yi, and Li, and you'll have a better understanding of that as we go along. If we go to uh, line 125, we have this understanding of if you do good, will it not accumulate? So if you constantly do good, if you constantly learn every day, if you listen to one lecture every day, you will develop yourself. If you examine yourself every day, you will continue growing, etc. So you have to accumulate your efforts and do a little bit every day at least a little bit simply listening to the series is a good start and moreover it's relatively easy I'm explaining these texts for you uh, so that you can digest them more easily these texts are not easy they're very difficult and you have to understand the Histor the historical context, you have to be able to read, think philosophically, you have to be able to read contextually, etc. There's a lot of skills uh, and talents involved in understanding these texts fully. Sometimes people try to rush through it and um, as if they're reading a simple novel and this is no good. Uh, there's a lot of depth in this and there's a lot of detail 
um, that you will miss if you do such a thing. I've met some people before, they read the whole analytics in a single day. That's not the correct attitude. That's not a good approach. And they're not going to come out with anything. You need to take your time and read and study uh, and do this diligently, regularly, and thoughtfully. And it also helps to have a teacher. Speaking of which, if you wish to have personal lessons, I do offer those. Uh, you would have to go ahead and uh, contact me through rekindleradiance.com and then you would have to request. I don't uh, always um, provide instruction to simply anybody who is interested. Um, I have to go see if this is, this is the best thing to do. Um, and so if you're interested, you can go ahead and, and look into that matter. Line 128, where does learning begin? Where does learning end? I say its order begins with reciting the classics and ends with studying ritual. What are the classics? The classics uh, during the time of Shunzi would refer to certain texts that are old even for his time. For example, the book of documents as a book of history, the book of poetry, that's, or the book of songs as is sometimes translated, that's a book of uh, poetry that um, is very interesting. It's, uh, you can get a translation of that. And the way to approach this is that th these are very humo human emotions. Um, they deal with some very common situations that are timeless. Uh, for example, um, a wife whose husband is off having to fight a war and she's wondering how he is doing and wants him to come back. So there are some very basic human emotions here and some very timeless human situations. Um, and, and so this is a very good way for a person to get back in touch with his original nature to understand what's truly important in life. It's not that promotion, it's not couponing and saving that extra dollar What's really important is your family, is these moments of beauty in your life, etc. So this is what um, this book of songs is good for. We have uh, other other texts um, and documents uh, such as the book of changes. A lot of times people use this to do fortune telling or divination, and uh, this is. Not really a book for that. I mean, it could use, be used for that in the same way that mathematics can form probability models and you can start to predict that, say, casinos over time will make more money than the, uh, than the uh, people who co go there to gamble, collectively speaking, in the long run. And you could use um, probability. You know, probability is not superstitious belief. It is structured logically. And so the Book of Changes gives a sort of logical insight into the nature of change, into the nature, nature of uh, causation, into the nature of correlation. Um, and so it, it, it gives you some very abstract structure, uh, structure for being able to understand phenomena. And that's similar to how you could use mathematics where we're looking logically at the pattern of numbers. Uh, 
to understand uh, and to be able to predict things uh, within scientific phenomena. Okay, so you you have these various classics, and there there are a number of them. It's not limited to three or even five. Uh, Zushi, he is a Confucian uh, scholar, a very very famous one, very influential one, living in the Song Dynasty, and that's about uh, give or take a, a thousand years after Shunzi uh, is alive, and uh, he has what's called the five classics. And so he's um, made a curriculum of five, but um, the classics is not limited to only those five. By the time of, uh, of um, Zhu Xi, speaking of which, he also has what's called the four books. These are more of the four books of philosophy. He did not include uh, the Shunzi. However, uh, I think that the Shunzi uh, should be included among these philosophical texts. Um, Zhu Xi is a fan of Mencius, and he be he believes in Mencius's characterization of human nature as good. We'll talk about that later. Why Shunzi believes that that is bad, and how he, in one sense, refutes Mencius, but also in some certain ways, they do agree uh, with certain aspects of human nature uh, to begin with. Okay, so back to this line. It ends with studying ritual. Why does it end with studying ritual? And here, um, what we really mean is Li. We have these words, ritual. Um, what's really being uh, meant is Li. Um, we have certain words like virtue and goodness in this book. Um, and uh, those are, uh, you can take that uh, as, as translated don't worry too much about it. We do have other parts where we have E, untranslated, that means righteousness, morality, justice. We have Ren, um, often that is not translated. And so uh, Li, however, is usually translated into the word ritual. Sometimes, um, depending on the translator, he might leave in Li. Sometimes, depending on translator, he might translate that as ritual propriety. But let's think about it in terms of Li. It ends up with studying Li. Why? Because Li, what we mean by that is proper Li. And Li is something that encompasses both Ren, uh, virtue, humanity, what's noble about uh, human beings, what is good about human beings because clearly uh, human beings what human beings are can also be bad so ren is what is best about human beings a ren person somebody look at and say this is really what it means to be a good human being that's how you want to understand it now li is a beautiful way to express e again righteous and morality as well as ren and Li ritual also does other functions, and Shunzi has an entire chapter called Discourse on Li or Discourse on Ritual. That's chapter 19. And so ritual is really the 
uh, a, uh, in a sense, the ultimate expression of all of this virtue, all of this goodness, all, uh, all this ren, all this e, that is beautifully expressed in li, ritual. So that's why it ends there. Because if you can master ritual, you have uh, mastered all of this. And by ritual, we don't only mean how do you bow, how do you kneel, uh, what words do you say. That's not what we mean by mastering ritual or studying ritual. That is part of it, but it must go beyond that. It must go into understanding. Confucius was asked about the de-ancestral sacrifice and this meaning and Confucius said I am not sure but anybody who understands this ritual thoroughly can rule the empire as if the empire was in the palm of his hand in other words there is wisdom great wisdom that is contained within the ritual okay next line its purpose becomes with becoming a well-bred man it ends with becoming a sage. The well-bred man, uh, this one has to do with, um, you know, your, your cultivation. So um, this word that is translated from probably shu, uh, I don't have the, um, the original text in front of me. And, um, but I, my guess is that this, this comes from the word shu. Is somebody who uh, is starting to to learn, uh, who has these high aspirations, and ends with becoming a sage. As I said before, a sage is the uh, ideal. It's almost um, it's almost a theoretical possibility rather than a, a, a true one. However, there have been certain people in history that have been called sage sages, uh, such as Yao and Chun. Uh, but later on. Confucius, uh, after, long after he passes, is also considered a sage. If you truly accumulate effort for a long time, then you will advance. Learning proceeds until death, and only does it then does it stop. In other words, you have to work on it throughout your life. So the order of learning has a stopping point, but its purpose cannot be given up even for a moment. To pursue it, to be as human, to give it up is to be a beast. Why? Because a beast is somebody who goes about life simply surviving, simply giving into his primal desires. A human being is somebody who can go beyond that, who has enough intelligence to be able to think into the future what is truly going to work and not work. He has the uh, stronger emotions. He has more vivid emotions, including compassion, including benevolence, so he can be kinder and a greater steward than any animal could ever be. He also has the capacity for awe, for a sense of beauty, for respect. And so that is why uniquely the human being is capable of uh, what we understand to be spirituality or what some people will call religious religiosity religious belief and re religious ritual. And so because of these things, these things, human beings have true ritual. Uh, I know there's this, you know, I know out there there's these terms like mating ritual or, or combat rituals uh, for the animal, uh, the world of animal behavior. But this 
is not a good use of the word ritual because in order to conduct a ritual, um, you are consciously participating in it. When animals be, uh, engage in these patterns of behavior, for example, to um, to stags, you know, male deer, they they lock antlers. That can happen, uh, but they do that on instinct. Um, sometimes birds will, male birds especially, they'll run and fly around in certain ways to impress the females. These are not rituals. These are not consciously constructed ways to beautifully express uh, meaning and emotion. So the animal acts on instinct, even though these behavioral patterns might be complex. The human being creates something with his conscious ability um, and is, in that sense, is, uh, is sort of like writing poetry. Uh, ritual is uh, poetry except done with movement, physical movement. And poetry is like ritual except done through words. So that's the important insight that you want to take here. Uh, 140 talks about learning comes from ritual and then stops for this is called the ultimate point in the pursuit of, way, of the way and virtue. The Tao is how everything connects together into one way of life. In paragraph 145, um, Shunza is imploring you to not be a lazy learner. And the key phrase here is the learning of the petty person enters through his ears and passes out through his mouth. That's a distance of only four inches how can it be enough to improve your whole, whole whole self? So what he's saying is, if you learn, actually integrate this into yourself. Let it change who you are. Let it change your virtue. Let it change your soul. That is what it means to truly learn. The learning of the Junza fastens to his hearts and spreads for his four limbs and manifests, manifests in his actions, his slightest word, his most subtle movement, all can serve as a model for others. That is how imbued he is with this wisdom, with this teaching. Now, that's different from another kind of student. They just memorize and then they just regurgitate. And this does not work for other fields of learning, such as if you're learning science or you're learning uh, math, you cannot be a master of those things simply by regurgitating. And it certainly does not learn, uh, work for learning virtue, for learning wisdom. So that's why he says students in ancient times learned for their own sake, in order, in other words, to improve themselves. But students of today, they learn for the sake of impressing others. Thus, the learning of the gentleman is used to improve his own person, while the learning of the petty man is used like gift oxen. In other words, to um, to flatter other people. Okay. Line 159 says, in learning nothing is more expedient than to draw near to the right person. This is this part about finding a good teacher. A good teacher is invaluable. And now he's going to talk about um, in the rest of this paragraph, actually some of these 
uh, classics here are mentioned. Um, and he says you can study them, but they do lack something. So rituals and music, they're grouped together because they have similar effects. Ritual, music, and poetry have very similar effects and they work. They have very similar natures. We'll talk about that in later chapters. They provide proper models to follow, but they give no precepts. In other words, you don't get the abstract understanding, the, the abstract principles. They give you certain models that you could follow. And if you could do them exactly the same way, because you have the same exact situation, for that particular situation, it'll work. But you can't really adapt that because you don't have the correct principles and you don't have the correct abstract understanding. The odes and the documents contain ancient stories, but no explanation of their present application. That's something I do for you in these series. I start to apply them to the modern world. Of course, the world of Shunzi and Confucius and so forth is a very different world than today in terms of technology, in terms of how government is structured, etc. But it does not mean that timeless truths are somehow different. It does not mean that human nature has fundamentally changed from birth. Those things are still the same. And so even though we have these ancient stories of the past, history and these songs talking about ancient situations, we need to be able to extract its essential meaning, its essential understandings, and then apply them to today. And that takes talent. And that's what I'm here to help uh, you with. The spring and autumn and annals is terse and cannot be quickly understood. This is a, a history regarding a very specific time period. Some people believe that Confucius wrote the commentary to this. Uh, it has commentary, but that commentary itself is relatively terse. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the Shunta, in a sense, is also very terse, or the Analyx is also very terse. They're terse, in other words, they're very short, they're abstracted, and you need to unpack them. And that's why sometimes I talk, take one line at a time and really explain them. Um, however, if you imitate the right person in the practice of his precepts of the, gentle, of the gentleman, then you will come to honor these things for their comprehensiveness, and then you can see them as encompassing the whole world. Thus, in learning, nothing is more expedient than to draw near to the right person. Um, of all the paths to learning, none is quicker than to like the right person, and to exalt the ritual comes second. If at best you cannot like the right person, and at worst you cannot exalt the ritual, then you will be simply learning haphazard knowledge and focusing your attentions on blindly following the oaths and documents. Uh, and if so, to, then to the end of your days, you cannot avoid being a mere vulgar rue. So the rue is a you know somebody who is following the tradition um, that Confucius also follows. So Confucius is not the originator, uh, like Martin Luther is, uh, a reformer of Christianity and Christian belief. Uh, Confucius is in a similar kind of um, historical role. And so he follows a tradition that goes long before he was alive, um, that goes all the way back to, say, the Duke of Zhou and even further back. Um, and so you know, it goes all the way back to the days of Yao and Shun, the uh, very early sage kings. So why does this 
uh, resulted in a vulgar rule because they study all this history and they study all of this poetry, but they don't understand the fundamental meanings, the essential meanings. On the other hand, if you are going to take the former kings as your foundation and make Ren and E your root, this what's noblest about humanity and what is moral and righteous. If those are your root, and then rituals are like the highway and byways for you, in other words, they are paths, um, then you can you can be successful, and then you can you can be a true root, essentially is what he is saying. Uh, if, if you do not exalt rit Li, ritual, then even if you are a cute debater, you are only a dissolute root. Okay. We have some very important advice in the next paragraph. If they do not approach you in the proper way, then avoid them. Only if people approach you in the proper way should you receive them. If they're being rude to you, if they're not uh, asking you questions out of sincerity, if you, uh, out of true learning, if they are there just to mock you or to debate you, believing that they themselves are right already, don't bother discussing important things. There should be like that uh, phrase, um, don't put your pearls before swine. It's a very similar idea here. So in line 201, he carefully acts according to the other person's character. If you observe somebody and he is ready to learn, then you can start to introduce him to something important, something significant and profound. We have this interesting line here, 209, one who does not fully comprehend the proper kinds and classes of things, or who is not single-minded in the pursuit of Ren and Yi, does not deserve to be good, called good at learning. Uh, what does it mean to be to comprehend the proper kinds and classes of things? It's very important to make the proper distinctions in philosophy in general, because this is how logic works. It's also important within Confucian philosophy, because Things like hierarchy and distinction and specialization of roles, um, that's very important for human flourishing, for uh, human harmony, for good relations between father and son, teacher and student, husband and wife, friend, friend to friend, brother, older brother and younger brother, etc. Lord and minister, so forth. That's uh, very important there. And so you need to be able to comprehend the proper kinds and classes of things to make proper distinctions where they belong and not make distinctions where they do not belong. Um, line 225 and to the end. Um, this is something that's pretty, pretty insightful and a good way to end this chapter. He comes to the point where he loves it and what um, he loves is the Tao, and then, what, and then his eyes love it more than the five colors. His ears love it more than the five tones, his mouth loves it more than the five flavors, and his heart considers it more profitable than possessing the entire world. What he's talking about is the Tao, what he's talking about is specifically within the Tao, E, virtue, uh, excuse me, E, uh, righteousness according to our uh, um, footnotes here. What is right? So, if you are truly a virtuous person, what is moral, moral is what is beautiful. 
And what is beautiful, of course, brings you joy. So as opposed to anything else, any kind of materialistic enjoyment, the Junza, the man of virtue, loves morality, loves righteousness, loves good, prop, good and proper relations among human beings. Proper relations, moral relations, harmonious relations, good relations between father and son, son and father, husband and wife, wife and husband, among friends, between teacher and student. That is, if you are a virtuous person, you see the great beauty in that, and you understand that to be much better than some fancy, shiny car, some big and broad house, some flashy clothing, etc. For this reason, power and profit cannot sway him away from righteousness. The masses cannot shift him away from the truth, and nothing in the world can shake him. He lives by this, and he dies by this. This is called a state in which virtue has been grasped. When virtue has been grasped, only then one can achieve fixity. When one achieves fixity, then only then can one respond to things. What is fixity? It means to be stable. It means to not be thrown about by your circumstances. And when you achieve this, now you can properly respond to things best. That's what uh, he is saying here. To be capable of both fixity and of responding to things, this is called a perfected person. In other words, inside you're stable, your principles don't change, your adherence to principles don't change, but outside when you're responding to your search, different circumstances, you are able to choose the, the best optimal path of dealing with this. It does not mean to be quote unquote flexible in the sense that you are giving up on your ideals, on your principles and bending them and compromising them. It means to fully pursue what is true and yet to be able to do what is best regarding the circumstances you find yourself in. Heaven shows off its brilliance, earth shows all its breadth, and the Junza values his perfection. That heaven, earth, and the human being in Confucian thought generally establishes this kind of triad or this trinity, if you will, Heaven is a source of all that is found in terms of nature that we cannot pick up and touch. For example, gravity you might consider to be the work of heaven. Human nature, what we're born with, our ability to be happy and ability to be sad, that is a work of heaven. It's not done by human beings. What comes from earth is all the stuff that we can touch, we can feel, the gold that one can dig out of the ground, the food one can grow out of the soil, that is earth. And the human being is the one who can tie these things together, what heaven has given him in terms of his nature and what is out of the, in the earth and 
bring forth the Tao, the way that connects everything beautifully and morally and righteously and and with and uh, virtuously. So exhortation of learning, in summary, you have everything to gain here. You have the ability to gr become a great person. And even though it's not uh, highly emphasized in this book, it is a, it is how one becomes happy. We'll see that in later chapters. It, it is how you become happiest. And if you are a virtuous person, you will understand, you will be able to see that E is the most beautiful thing out there in the world for the human being. And so what you need to do is you need to study, you need to work on it every day, you need to uh, root yourself in the, in the proper studies, and it's best to find a teacher. So part of that, of course, is to listen to these lectures. If you want personal lessons, that is, of course, the best way to learn. Uh, you can try to uh, contact uh, me. Um, you can go to Rekindle Radiance and contact us and, and see if you can um, start off if you are truly interested in that. Otherwise, this is a great chapter to start off on. Um, please do take your learning seriously. Your whole life is something that will change and be transformed for the better because of your learning. So take it seriously and be uh, on the lookout for chapter two.